Welcome back or welcome to the Single Track Podcast. I'm your host, Finn Melanson, and in this episode, we talk with Lucy Bartholomew, a professional trail runner for Solomon Running based in Australia, who is lining up for the Western States 100 this year after notable performances in 2018 and 2019 at this same event. Before we get started, though, this episode of Single Track is brought to you by Soar Running. Soar Running, that's S-O-A-R Running, are a London-based high-performance running apparel brand. Why am I excited to partner with Soar? Well, if you're like me, you take pride in your running gear and you want the best. That's why I'm stoked about this brand. They are pushing the running apparel boundaries when it comes to producing gear that we care about, like wet and cold weather layers and racing kits. I'm also excited because they are finally moving into the trail running space. After years in the figurative lab, they have launched a trail-specific clothing line that I've had a chance to test, specifically their half-zip t-shirts, trail race vests, and trail shorts, all out on multi-hour runs in my backyard of the Wasatch Range. This apparel is the real deal. If you want help getting kitted out for your training and racing needs, Soar is offering us an exclusive 20% savings at SoarRunning.com. All you got to do is enter the code SINGLETRACK20 at checkout, but act fast. This code is only valid through June and July. I'm stoked, people, and I care about you all. I wouldn't be endorsing something if I didn't believe in it and use it myself, so go check out Soar Running when you get a chance. With that, let's get on with the show. All right, Lucy Bartholomew, welcome to the Single Track Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. So my first question to you, what's it like being back in the United States? Because it looks like you've been here for at least a couple of weeks now. You have a routine with a similar host family. Can you talk about all this? Yeah, totally. I've been really, really lucky and fortunate to have found a community and to be taken in by a family here that... Um, 2018 when I ran Western States, 2019 when I returned, and 2022 when I've finally been able to get back here, um, have opened, uh, welcomed me with open arms, and it's, uh, yeah, it feels like coming home, like it's been so many years, but it's, uh, it feels like nothing's changed, except for the kids that are in the street are a little taller, and I think they think I'm a little less cooler than uh, when I first was here. <laughs> I imagine that when you first arrived to Western states three years ago, four years ago, there was probably a lot of interest in seeing the sites, being a tourist to some extent. This time around, does it feel like you're on like a business trip or you're just like settling into like uh, creature comforts and stuff like that? Do you know, I'd actually say it's the opposite. I would say when I came here in 2018, I was like business. I was here for Western states. All I saw was Western states trail and nothing else. I was kind of just blinkers on about the race. And I feel like this time I don't need to see the trail. I understand how this race feels and works. And so I've been Mm -hmm. more like, let's get out of here. Let's go see some things and let's have some fun. And um, it's really cool to experience the different ways of kind of coming to a race and the different energy that it feels like. I feel like I've just been on vacation and, uh, but I've got to do this big run coming up and uh, now I need to put my blinkers on a little more. (laughs) Interesting. Well, we'll definitely dive into Western States in just a second. One thing I've always wanted to talk with you about is In addition to being a high-performance athlete, registering some great performances over the years, you're obviously also like a really likable, charismatic person in our sport too, and you've built up this great social media following, and can you talk about, again, being an athlete that cares about performance, but also managing that following? Because I saw in a recent post, you have 
described it as both beautiful and brutal. So I'm curious to hear more about that. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's beauty and brutality in anything we do, and especially anything we do with a lot of heart and a lot of passion. Um, You know, you have a job, there's going to be ups and downs and pros and cons to that. And when running turned from being my hobby to being becoming my career and my job, Mm. um, there's definitely a shift in where the energy and where the motivation and the expectations come from. And then you add a layer on top of that of people following along on social media. And I think what I found super challenging in 2018, I ran really well at Western States and I finished in third place and I had this breakout in quotation marks uh, performance. And overnight I gained 50,000 followers on Instagram, like a really big increase. And with that comes 50,000 opinions on what I do and how I eat, how I train, what I look like. And then to have evolved, as everyone should, we're all growing and changing. Um, I really had to reassess my relationship with social media um, and understand that there's always going to be people that like you and who get what you're doing. And there'll be people that don't vibe with what you're doing. And that's okay. Um, So I think that that's kind of understanding that there's beauty in it, there's brutality, uh, it's going to be good days, there's going to be hard comments to read, but at mm. the end of the day, they don't know Lucy Bartholomew, the human being, um, they yeah. know what I put up on my grid on Instagram. Yeah, it, it, it's absolutely fascinating, and I do want to dig into this a little bit more, because you look at other athletes in the sport, I mean, Claire Gallagher is someone, another very prominent athlete, she has taken a relatively extreme stance, just leaving social media altogether, uh, despite the fact that, you know, as a sponsored athlete, it's, it's pretty integral to what you do, sort of being the marketing arm as an athlete for the brand. Um, have you thought about that at all? Or do you see it as a, a thing that you can like keep at an arm's length and use productively and, and engage well with the community? Yeah, I respect and admire Claire and her the way that she was able to cut ties and the people that um, need to contact her, get her mobile number. You know, you yeah. can there's still ways to, to check in on Claire and it's not like because you don't follow her, you don't see her Instagram story every day, you don't think about her. Um, so I think that's super, super amazing. For me, I feel like, you know, a lot of athletes will either – you know, have a good relationship with social media or they, they really, that's really not, they're there to be runners. They want to, their Mm. contract is more about, I'm just a runner. I'm not an influencer. I'm not going to take photos. I just want to be left to run. And that's awesome. What I love to do, and it's probably that I love the people, the scenery and the, I love to write and to put words to things probably more than I like to race. So Instagram gives me that outlet to be able to, yeah, I love to race. It's cool to do it, but I really love the in-between moments of the races that you can share on Instagram and the little moments of the day, those one percenters that um, I think sometimes we just scoop past and don't see. So I think my relationship with uh, social media and Instagram has been a roller coaster and, Mm. um, it was interesting in lockdown seeing how when I really didn't have, I didn't, wasn't traveling. I wasn't surrounded by people. There wasn't a whole lot going on. Um, I really was just like, 
am I a really boring person? Like, do I still have to post every day? And I really had to be like, you have no obligation to post. And if you don't have anything to share, that's great. But maybe there's beauty in the mundane. And there's, a you know, the whole of Australia, the whole of the world was experiencing similar. Um, and so I feel like that made me kind of just be like, you know, it's, it's super cool. You can inspire people. You can really help people's mental health, but also understand that, um, you know, things you see, things you say, uh, things people say to you can also do the opposite and just kind of being really careful with when and how I use uh, social media. Yes, I love that. Well, we'll definitely put a pin in it and return at some point in this podcast for a much more in-depth conversation on it. I should say, I used the word extreme there with Claire. I actually tend, well... I experimented after reading her blog post. It actually inspired me to cut ties with like my phone for a bit and stuff like that and to like ask deep questions about why I was using what I was using and how often I was checking in and how I was engaging. But I love this and I'm glad I got to ask you those questions because like Claire, you're at the front lines of this and it's just fascinating. One more question before we get into Western States. Are you still uh, treating running as a full-time profession and maybe talk about that? Yeah, definitely. So running has been my full-time profession since 2018, pretty much, 2017, 2018. Um, And, you know, I wasn't sure, again, with the lockdowns, how there was, you know, a lot of companies struggled, a lot of, there was some uncertainty around Mm. how it was going to kind of come out the other side. And I'm really, really grateful that I'm supported by and sponsored by Solomon and they have looked after me and, I made a film with them during lockdown and I think seeing the reaction to that film and the incredible engagement and just um, really kind of cemented how I feel about like I can, well, it's a bunch of how Solomon feels about me. They're kind of like, it's cool when you race. That's awesome. We love to have the, the people standing on top of the podium, but it, mm. also we love people doing projects and getting involved in community. And I would say that my passion leads more towards projects, community, um, kind of that deeper level stuff than being fast on one day for a race. Mm. Mm. And I imagine like at the end of the day, it's all about uh, inspiring people to run, getting new entrants into the sport, making running more of like a lifestyle thing too. In addition to like you just said, like the accolades on podiums and stuff like that. That's super cool. I do want to transition. There you go. Oh no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say one of the things that I did in lockdown was I did a lot of, um, my brother is a school teacher and I saw how teachers were really struggling to come up with content online for kids to stay engaged. And so I ended up doing in the span of the two years we were in lockdown in Australia, like a hundred talks to schools and kind of talking to classes and talking about running and how like and trail running and getting out in nature and all those things and I think that that's like a I feel very fortunate to be the age I am um, and to be able to kind of meet those kids where they're at and still be kind of uh, relatable to them and so I think that that's been like a really cool thing to to work with Solomon on has been you know uh you you have the fast crew you have the people who are the parents the, the people that are kind of already in the sport like the older generation and mm. i feel like a really cool ability to be able to bring the younger ones in and that's something that i feel very passionate about after 
taking that time to see the reaction of those kids. You know, I get messages from the, um, not just the kids that were on the Zoom calls, but the parents being like, I was listening. It's, it's crazy what you do, but it's awesome. How can, how can I get my daughter and me involved? And that's really awesome. That's incredible. And I have to imagine, especially at that age, that is such a formative experience for them. And at some point in their late teens, early 20s, when they wonder like, why am I running ultras right now? It's because like they had those moments with you, which is super cool. Like that's such uh, an organic way to get people into the community. I love that. Let's talk about Western States. So you had a really, I thought, well-written Instagram post saying that in 2018, you led the race, you ultimately podiumed, you gave everything, including your health. Then in 2019, you came back, you didn't battle the competition, you battled yourself. It's been three years since then. I'm curious what you've learned, where your mind's at now, what the objective is this time around. Yeah, definitely. I feel like I've experienced Western States when it's at its best, uh, when it feels good and it feels pretty easy. You have success. Um, and that was really beautiful. And then I've experienced it on the other end of the spectrum where on paper, you know, people will say it wasn't a, a failure of a race, but I would say my mindset, um, the way I disrespected my body um, in terms of just it wasn't ready to run a hundred miles, but Western States is Western States. You know, it's such an honor to, to get to do the race, um, that it was kind of, I will do anything to do it. And so I was really disappointed, not in the race, but in myself in 2019. Um, but it also taught me how incredibly strong and stubborn <laughs> and will strong willed I am that I was able to, you know, I remember a few steps from the start line just being like, I really don't want to do this. Like, I don't think I can do this. And to have that doubt and carry it for 20 so 22 hours, 21 hours, however long I was out there, um, is a heavy thing to, a heavy load to carry. So I feel like this time, um, I might not be as fit as I was in 2018. I am certainly mentally stronger than I was in 2019, mm. but I am healthier than both of those times in terms of my body, my hormones, my emotional spirit, like those deeper level things, not just the way you see on the outside and not just mental yeah. health. I'm talking like those really, where you go in these races, you don't just test your mentally, you test like your soul and your spirit. If you really run a hundred miles, you take yourself to a, a level that, you know, you shouldn't touch too regularly because there's a very small, finite amount of it. And I feel like I now have that reserve back again. And I'm just excited to see where that places me because if it, if every, all the girls who are lining up, who I love and admire have their best day, I could not care less if I finished 50th place because I would just be so stoked that I even had a chance to stand on a start line with them and to be a part of their amazing day and potentially bring out my best as well. Wow. You know, I'm kind of speechless. That that was incredible. When I think of like, uh, I think they call it like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I feel like you're right at the top of the pyramid, like in total self-actualization mode. It's beautiful. Do you have a mantra for race day? I have a mantra that I got tattooed on myself um, after doing the Lara Pinta trail that I ran, the big project I did in lockdown. And it's, I've got it on the back of my... Um, 
on my tricep and it says new level, new devil. And it was something that a friend said to me and he meant it as, um, for an example, when you're playing Mario Kart, this is, I don't play Mario Kart, but this is his example he gave me. He's like, when you get through the level, you have to overcome all these challenges and there's usually like a beast at the end that you have to get through. And then you get to the next level and you've leveled up and that monster at the end, that beast at the end gets stronger. But you kind of can work your way through it. And I feel like that's how it is. You never get to the top. You're always going to be leveling up and there's always going to be something there that's going to try and knock you down. But it's kind of like instead of being disappointed that maybe it did knock you down once or twice, it's like, yeah, but I'm like level 100, you know, like I'm really getting challenged right now. And I think it's something that instead of seeing uh, things go wrong, think of the opportunities that it's given to you to try again and to get it right. And Mm -hmm. so I just feel like that's what I want to take through is look for those opportunities as we go through the canyons, as we descend down to the river, as we make our way to the finish line is, you know, just kind of not looking at it as one big whole race, but just little levels to, uh, to make my way through. (laughs) New level, new devil. I love that. Before we go, I want to make sure, and we'll make sure to um, link to all your socials in the show notes, but uh, can you give us a quick preview of this movie that just came out? Yeah, so in March of 2021, I ran the Lara Pinta Trail, which is a 230-kilometer, 140-mile run in the middle of Australia, and it's a track that runs point to point, um, and it usually takes people to hike it about two weeks, about 14 days, um, and I tried to do it in one hit, and so the movie is 40 minutes long, and it kind of documents me and a videographer and a photographer, Josh and Brian, going into the middle of Australia during lockdown and taking on this trail, and there's uh, a lot of a lot of talk about new level, new devil. I felt like I was I should be at the finish of the game at the end of that <laughs> that track. It was so challenging, but um, it definitely made me. It kind of rekindled my love for running at its rawest sense, mm. you know, because it, there was no bib needed, there was no people there, no expectation. I was just out there, and I was really out there at times. Um, taking on these challenges and I had me, myself and I most of that way to uh, sort through things. And uh, yeah, so it's a a film that Solomon helped me put on and uh, it kind of, it's pretty gnarly to watch at times. Even myself watching it back, I was like, wow, did I look that bad for that long? (laughs) You know? And I just think that nothing can be like, I think of Western States and I'm like a nice smooth trail. I've got checkpoints. There's people out there. I don't have to navigate. I can drink lots of water. (laughs) And I just think that, um, it'll be such a beautiful experience because I haven't raced, uh, since. And so it'll be cool to kind of, yeah, be catered for on the day. (laughs) Well, We'll have to do a long-form interview at some point in the future, but um, we're really excited to follow your race in a few days. I want to personally thank you for being so generous, sharing your experiences in the sport, especially in a way that I think the audience can identify with and and take from and feel seen by and, and apply to their own running lives. So, so thank you for that. Um, we'll, we'll share the movie in the show notes as well. And uh, yeah, is there anything else you want to leave the audience with before we go? 
No, I just want to say thanks, Finn. Thanks for reaching out and filling my taper with a little bit of enjoyment and entertainment. <laughs> yes, well, it is the season and um, the center of the trail running universe is in the Lake Tahoe area right now. This is a very exciting time. It sure is. I can't wait to, to make the pilgrimage. <laughs> All right. See ya. See ya. Hey, folks. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And before you leave, if you are a new listener, I have a favor to ask. Could you leave a rating and review of this show in your podcast player? If you could, it would mean a lot to me because it helps more passionate trail runners like yourself discover this show. Regardless, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back soon with many more interviews around Western states. Until then, I'm your host, Finn Melanson, and you have been listening to the Single Track Podcast.